up? My name's Sarah Andrews. Hi, I'm Lizzie Lavin. Hi, Badur Ibrahim. And this is What, what You Missed at the WC. We have someone very special with us today. Yes, we do. Hi. <laughs> Batul works with us. Batul's our coworker. Sometimes I, co-host. <laughs> yeah, pops I'm on the, when she can. I'm the event coordinator at the Women's Center. Just here today because the podcast is so cool, and I wanted to be a part of this episode. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about today's episode? Yeah, so today we're talking about supporting DACA students mm-hmm. or DACA on campus. And DACA stands for Deferred Action to Childhood Arrivals. Mm-hmm. And we've been looking into this a lot. I honestly didn't know that much about like what DACA was, just that it had to do with like immigration status. Mm-hmm. You want to delve into, you want to talk about it a little more? Sure. Um, So DACA recipients are, I guess DACA was put in place for children who arrived at the U.S. but didn't have lawful standing or any um, immigration status, like legally. And DACA was created and it's a pretty short term program and only lasts two years when you have it and um, is subject to renewal. How much is it? $495 yes. to renew so, it? So it's $495 yeah. to renew every two years. Yeah. And, and even with that, you're not allowed to leave the U.S. You're not a citizen. You're you pay citizen. taxes, but you're not a citizen. Yeah, you pay taxes. Um, they pay $5.6 billion annually in federal taxes, like all together. There's about 800,000 DACA recipients, and together they pay about $5.6 billion annually and $3.1 billion in state and local taxes, which is so much money. Yes. That's a lot. Especially if you're not a citizen. And you st- and the, there are still leave. things you have to take into account as a DACA recipient. Um, banks, people will allow you to use banks. Loans for school. School. Mm. There are... A lot of barriers put in place for yeah. DACA students, even though one of the requirements, the guidelines is you're in education or mm-hmm. military. So you mm-hmm. can be honorably discharged from the military and be a DACA recipient, or you could be either working on your high school GED or college education. So basically those are your two options. You're either in school or you're discharged from the military. What other requirements are there? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so there's a little list of requirements. I can just spew off some of them. This is USCIS website, by the way. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. Immigration Citizenship Services. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you must have entered the U.S. unlawfully prior to your 16th birthday, must have lived continuously in the United States since June 15th, 2007, be under the age of 31 and June 15th, 2012, and were physically present in the U.S. on that day, uh, no lawful status on June 15th, 2012, and completed high school or GED, like the military requirements that we just talked about, mm. and like no felonies or misdemeanors. Obviously, there's a lot of barriers in place. Requirements are very limiting and restrictive um, for DACA recipients. Yeah, that seems like so specific. Like you have to touch all those bases. 1.7 million eligible DACA recipients. They're eligible. So 1.7 million people are eligible. Okay. But only those 800,000 are actual like recipients. So like there's like a million people out there mm-hmm. that could be under DACA but um aren't. And, and that was also according to yes, and the it, website and it, we saw. It seems very limiting also just uh, being a college student, being a Mm -hmm. college DACA student, not Mm -hmm. only finally specifically making the requirements just for our government, but having to be probably the first person in your family going to college in America 
64,815 people in Nebraska, including, live with at least one undocumented family member between 2010 and 2014. But that's a big number. Six. Oh yeah, that's a lot of people. 64,815 people in Nebraska mm-hmm. have at least one undocumented family member. That's a lot of people. And that I think and that brings how, it, like, makes it more personal like, to you now. Yes, it is very personal. And it, think about how restricting it is because of how criminalized that is. Mm-hmm. Even the rhetoric in legal settings, it, it uh, someone who's undocumented is referred to as alien. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like one of the most detrimental parts is the rhetoric and like the language people use around undocumented people. It's so polarizing. Yes. Saying like, oh, they're illegal aliens. They're mm-hmm. There are people who are undocumented students who genuinely have no life outside of America. Yeah. yeah. All it is is a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. It's like the government putting like their two thumbs up. Um, yeah, that you can stay, yeah. even though you don't know life and that outside cost, of here. And, th- and that's why we wanted to create this episode to just talk more about supportive resources and ways of supporting DACA students because... Mm-hmm. Um, we want them to feel like a part of the community. Yes. Like, it's not like, it may seem like uh, contradictory, not contradictory, just like it should be common sense to embrace DACA students as mm-hmm. like any other student here. Absolutely. Like they're the same students as we are and making sure that they have the resources they need to feel at home yes. and comfortable on this campus. Yeah, kind of going back to that stat of 2,910 active DACA recipients live in Nebraska. It kind of requires us as regular students that are U.S. citizens to kind of think of the proximity we have to other DACA recipients. Like those are people in our classrooms, um, walking you know, on to, our campus, walking on our campus in that Starbucks, not drive through <laughs> Starbucks line. Yeah, and they're dealing with this like something that seems so out of world to us. It's like if literally you, the reality. Yeah. So if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah. Hello, I'm Katie Kodad. I'm a program coordinator with the Office of Academic Success and Intercultural Services, also known as OASIS. Thank you for joining us. Thanks Um, for having me. Yeah. This is really awesome. So today we wanted to talk to Katie about UndocuAlly. Do you want to... Your definition? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Undocuali was brought to UNL because we noticed the lack of resources that campus had for working with undocumented and also students that have DACA, um, which usually like they're very much so put in like the same group um, because of their lack for like financial resources and just in general. It's also an identity that isn't uh, forward facing, so you can't look at someone and tell that they're undocumented. And so two previous colleagues and I created a presentation that we actually presented at a conference out of state for. And so then we'd kind of use that as a resource on campus. And then we developed UndocuAlly. We worked with an individual from UC Berkeley that came down and like talked to us about their UndocuAlly training. And so we took our presentation, a little bit about what they said, and we like created UndocuAlly for UNL. And so we have like a legality piece. And so I, every time I give the training, I bring in an actual attorney that goes over the legality piece, which is like the longest part of the training. Um, just because there is so much legal pieces a part of the training in this process. And what's difficult is that it can literally change overnight. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we bring in an attorney, because I will be the first to say I'm not like a master mm-hmm. of like DACA things or work like I've worked with a lot of undocumented students, but I'm not some like the legality piece is like way over my head most of the time because it is ever changing. And so bringing someone that's an attorney that like that's what they do for work is really important. And then also giving that resource to campus to be able to ask those questions is really important mm-hmm. you berkeley wow yeah that's an interesting point with um just like the legality process just changing a lot and that really putting resources in a 
certain situation to like go with the flow with those legality changes. Do you feel like there was anything that you had to take into account for when administrations were changing or um, yeah, to say the least? Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to this topic, especially like being in Nebraska, it is a, it's, it's very difficult and it, honestly, it's very touchy. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a population that we, if I'm speaking frankly, don't do enough for, unfortunately. And so like I've even worked with like the local chapter of like Define American that is like advocates for this student population and just population in general. And we like have had meetings with the chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um, granted that happened like three or four years ago, but also recognizing like we need like a full-time staff to work with these students. But again, also because of where we're at, like we don't always know who these students are. And so like a lot of times people will ask like, how many of these students we have on campus? I can't give that for sure answer because they have to come forward and share with us. And so it depends. I haven't seen the application for UNL for a long time. There's certain ways that you can kind of tell from that, but I think they've kind of changed the application too to like not out someone for the lack of a better phrase. And so. I think it is a sensitive topic, but that's never going to stop me from like pushing the conversation, regardless of what our administration looks like or stands for. Right. You mentioned um, Define American. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little more about that? I don't know that much about, uh, Batul mentioned it when we were uh, recording, and I just don't know that much about Define American, and I feel like not a lot of people on our campus do, so mm-hmm. can you talk about it a little bit more? Yeah, so Define American is a rec- recognized student organization that was started by Valeria Rodriguez. Um, who is actually an undocumented person, but now has citizenship. And so she saw like early on in her career at UNL that there was a need for this. And so Define American is actually a national organization. And like part of it was like the college chapters aspect. And so she did research on different orgs to bring the campus and what to do. And so she did, um, she saw that this was an organization that was like the best fit. And so she started it. And just like the advocacies and um, Valeria actually now works for like the national organization. Mm -hmm. And so um, just like the work that she's done and has helped like create the Juan and Franco legacy scholarship that we have that like provides financial resources for DACA and undocumented students. Because if you all don't know, um, DACA and undocumented students are not eligible for federal financial aid. Mm -hmm. And so just think about the, you know, adversity they have to face like with getting to college with not being able to pay for it, especially when colleges like UNL, you're required to live on campus. That's over $10,000 a year that I don't know about y'all. I don't have $10,000 just sitting around. (laughs) And I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that is a citizen. And so like thinking about the resources and also recognizing like, kind of like, I'll kind of say the lack of gener- like uh, generational wealth because of oftentimes like these students are first generation American um, or not even like they immigrated like from other um, countries. And so recognizing that oftentimes like their parents or families like don't have access to like jobs that pay well enough to like support students financially. And so back to what Define American is, um, but that is like something that Um, like the organization does. So they host like an annual banquet, which during COVID has been really difficult. We weren't able to host it last year. We're still also unable to host it this year. Um, So just thinking of different ways to like provide those funds and um, work for that to like help support those students is really important. But honestly, their biggest 
point and like action item is just changing the conversation around immigration, right? So just ultimately being like an advocacy group for this student population. Yeah, I want to touch on language and rhetoric, but before you talked a lot about finances and earlier we were discussing about how expensive it is to be a DACA recipient, how much it finances you have to take into consideration, not only with like legal paperwork, but also being a college student, like you said, and those barriers that are put in place. I can't imagine that on top of COVID and the resources that um, happened, could you and your office like speak to supportive resources that have had to change or things that were very specific to COVID or kind of just like toppled? I don't know, like maybe they were there before, but COVID made it even more pressing. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, And I think the biggest thing I can say is just access, right? Mm -hmm. So access across the board. So we're working with students that already have struggles with accessing like financial stability, like plus like COVID, Mm -hmm. especially if you look at a lot of the jobs that have been taken away due to COVID, oftentimes this is a population that's affected like the worst. And so just thinking about that, because, and oftentimes too, you have to also recognize that if they have DACA, they're able to work, but if if they're undocumented, they can't work unless they have a job that pays under the table, right? Mm -hmm. And so like recognizing like how difficult that can be as well. And oftentimes those jobs don't pay well enough to do anything. And so I think a lot of students have had to choose between survival and school, Mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate that anybody would have to be put in that situation. What are some resources that you would like to highlight to support DAPA students that are available on campus or just specific to campus? Yeah, well, I think like the two that I want to highlight the most is Define American, mm-hmm. um, which has been like kind of tough. So I advise that organization and it's been like tough for like recruitment, which I'm sure all orgs have like faced due to COVID. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and everyone like being like virtual, it's been difficult to like make those connections. And so I just think like the advocacy that that, that group can like provide, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the, you know, family away from your family, home away from home. And a lot of times like we have, I mean, we have like current members that were that received our scholarship and that's how they know about Define American. So they come in, they're like, oh yeah, I need to be a part of this group because of what it did for me, et cetera, and X, Y, and Z. But, and then there's also like the Juan and Franco Legacy Scholarship, right? So like being able to like, if you can like give towards that or even like get the word out about that. Cause so many people want to know like, so how can we, cons- how can we can support? What can we do? Mm-hmm. And that's what you can do is like give that, give financially, which I know is asking a lot. Mm-hmm. So, which is like tough, but like, again, it's never going to stop me from asking right. <laughs> because people are like more well off, like, and can like give those sources. So it's really important to like continue to create that and just like share the discussion and like the need for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, obviously the more funds we have, the more scholarships we can offer mm-hmm. or the higher amount of scholarships we can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two. And then just like making sure like resources. So also recognizing like, which can be the like similar for like different struggles for like different like student communities is that, you know, you have as a student, like that's a stress already there. But if you like behind the scenes, like everything that like mo- a lot of different students, like regardless of how they identify, like have to deal with, I think it's really important to like, I always say like have your people. Um, and so like finding your person or finding your resources and making sure like, you know, those on campus. And I will like, I might be a little biased, like because I work for Oasis, but that can be, you know, your home away from home, which seems kind of hard to understand right now because a lot of it is virtual, but like being able to like be around people that like will truly advocate for you, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, oftentimes the student population is already struggling with like imposter syndrome. So not feeling like they belong here because we have society and the government essentially being up front in your face, sharing that you don't belong here because of how hard they're making it 
to become a citizen, to go to school, to do anything that, you know, they're trying to contribute positively to society, but you have everyone kind of saying, well, you don't belong here, so we're going to make it as difficult as we can. And so, like, just, like, being around, like, resources that will, like, support you in that way. And, I mean, I'm one of them. So, like, being able to, like, come and talk to me, and I know it's, this is, like, a topic that's not easy to talk about, and I know there's a lot of, like, negative stigma around it. Oftentimes, like, students are told by, like, family, like, don't say anything, because if people don't know, they can't Mm -hmm. do anything. So there's, like, that natural fear around it. And so I share that because, like, you know, I am an advocate for, like, students. So, like, if you feel like that, like, you know, come and talk to me, you won't have to worry about it, Mm -hmm. you know, because I... I understand the like what goes into working with the student population and not everyone does regardless if they're advocates or not and so mm-hmm. I think those are the things that I would like really highlight. Yeah um, you kind of talked about the perspective of being a docker undocumented student on campus what do you think um, like what can the women's center or student affairs or the department of history like what can other organizations entities on campus do to support DACA immigrants um, and undocumented students on campus? No, that's a great question. You know, talking about like giving, like giving to the scholarship and like even bringing awareness Mm -hmm. to the scholarship is important because I know like giving isn't always something that everyone can do, especially students, Mm -hmm. right? It's really Mm -hmm. tough to ask y'all to like give to it because like y'all are students and I understand Mm -hmm. that. But just like bringing awareness and having conversations about it, Mm -hmm. especially like it's okay if you don't understand fully, like even as somebody that has worked with a student organization and is an advocate for like years, there's again, still things that are like way over my head. But that's not going to stop me from having the conversation. Mm -hmm. That's not going to stop me from like, you know, tell me about this or help me understand. Like, even though like in my personal experience, I will never understand. But like, I want to help you the best I can. So I want to advocate for you. So I need to like, tell me your story so Mm -hmm. I can help other people understand as well. Mm -hmm. Especially like getting like the firsthand experiences of students and sharing that. And I do, I share that in our UndocuAlley training because they're like, this is the kind of stuff that we need from staff. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's like, Go to events that support undocumented and DACA students Mm -hmm. or, you know, talking about the scholarship or giving to the scholarship and, you know, just like resources like that. But also like recognizing that you have to set the stage for students to feel comfortable to come talk to you. So, for instance, like everyone that does UndocuAlley training, they get like a butterfly sticker that says UndocuAlley. And like I always say, post that in your office where people can see it. So the Mm -hmm. minute people see that they know like, okay, like you're a safe source. Or I actually Mm -hmm. tried to take some type of step to like work towards being an ally for this population. And I think just having visuals around offices, around spaces, and even like having conversations. But again, it's, it's very much so like different identities that like aren't necessarily visible. Like you probably wouldn't have a conversation with just say like, are you documented? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, it's, it's tough because it's it's hard to tell someone how to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I have been put in that situation, you know, when I used to recruit for UNL and I would run into students filling out the application and they would say that they were born in another country and then the application would just end. And I we were never trained on that. So I was like, I'm not sure how to do it, but I put two and two together. And so luckily I had those relationships with these high school students to like have that conversation, mm-hmm. but the training wasn't there, mm-hmm. right? So you think about some of the different things that campus can do. like. Well, first of all, you need to train people that might run into the student population, especially if they're not even here yet and they're like looking to coming to the UNL. Mm -hmm. Because if someone doesn't know how to even like navigate that conversation whatsoever, like hands down, that student's not coming here, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're showing them straight up front, like, you know, you're trying to help me get there. But if you can't help me, how do I know that anyone on campus is going to be able to support me? Mm -hmm. And so just kind of having those conversations, I think, is is really important, but also like asking questions 
I know like a lot, I get a lot of questions about working with the student population, which I, which I absolutely love. I know too that I can't answer all of them, especially if they're very like technical or on the legal pieces, but I have resources that can, so I reach out to them. And so like knowing those resources, mm-hmm. like the Immigrant Legal Center mm-hmm. that is located in Omaha, and I think they're trying to get a center here, different things like that, that we can like offer like here or like the um i don't know if everyone knows but the nebraska on uh, nebraska law on east campus they actually have a, um, an immigration clinic mm-hmm. so they have like attorneys that actually work with the student population for like free awesome. um, or for like little charge depending on the situation and so that's the thing too when it comes to legal fees it can be very very expensive but there are resources that will help this population pro bono yeah so and you can you're saying like you can get someone where they need to go to like yeah oh yeah 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 i will like direct them to an exact person Mm -hmm. i'm not just gonna like here go no i'm gonna give you an exact person Mm -hmm. that i know will help you because i've talked to them before right um okay well are there any like uh concluding not concluding but just like thoughts or comments or things that you felt like were in your brain that you haven't gotten out yet or like yeah Yeah. well one thing like we talk about like on the faculty level is that like you know when I talked about like having like visuals and everything like something as little as having like a snippet about like if you identify this way x y and z like in a syllabi can like go a long way Mm -hmm. and so I I wish there were you know and you might see that more in like some departments but I don't know. I wish there was, like, more of that. Or in those, like, email signatures. You know how you could put, like, little mm-hmm. yeah, know, yeah. images? Like, I know there's pride flags on some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know, like, even, like, I feel like just in, like, the last two years maybe, like, two before two years ago, you probably wouldn't have seen, you know, less than a handful of people with, like, their pronouns in their UNL yeah, signature. Right. And now it's, like, okay, it's, like, normalized, right? Yeah. So I think just, like, having, like, those conversations, but I think it's just really important for, like, anyone to, like, recognize whether you're on, like, a UNL campus or or not that, like, you know, different opportunities are going to affect people differently, but also mm-hmm. recognizing that there's people on campus that can't apply for things for maybe, you know, being a mentor in any program or being, like, a new student enrollment leader because they can't afford to do a job and not get paid for it. And so it's like, essentially, they might still get those opportunities, but if they don't have DACA or any type of like paperwork that will allow them to work, they will just be volunteering their time. Mm. And like, that's also, I think, something that needs to be discussed. And I've been like trying to do like research on like grants and stuff because we have had students that are like, I want to apply for this. And I was like, I want you to too, but like, if I could legally pay you out of pocket, I would, you know? But it's like, ugh, I'll get in trouble. Yeah. And, but I also make jokes that like, there's a reason they don't leave me in charge of money because I would give everyone money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I just think, like, make, like, kind of, like, recognizing that, like, again, because it's identity that you can't, like, see that, you know, not everyone, tr- like, truly people do not have, like, the same opportunity. And so then, you know, it's ultimately an equity issue. This was so awesome to hear everything yeah. i'm really glad that you're able to come here yes, yes yeah. it is a vibe but yeah so I, I appreciate y'all like doing this especially like the different like advocacy that you're covering i think that's super important we appreciate your work shout out too. to them shout, shout out to you, you. <laughs> shout out to you all yeah shout out to everyone yeah. Yeah. Women's Center. Yeah. okay for today's podcast we also wanted we also reached out to crystal garcia dr crystal garcia Her pronouns are she, her, hers, and she's an assistant professor of educational administration at UNL. She also has research that broadly focuses on critically examining the mechanisms through which minoritized college students experience campus environments. 
Um, so she works a lot with identifying harmful policies, practices, and behaviors in an effort to dismantle them and cultivate a center of equity within higher education. Um, we talked to Dr. Crystal Garcia about how can we as a community and campus maintain an environment that supports DACA students. And she goes over how legality is a social construct. There isn't anything illegal about a human in their being and how we've created those rules to regulate this unwanted or unwelcoming nature in particular spaces when it comes around to talking about DACA students. She also talks about for cultivating this environment and space, how uh, a lot like Katie said, there isn't a face to immigrants or someone who's undocumented or a DACA student. And regardless of whether they are or not, they should be treated as human beings. And she goes and talks a lot about the rhetoric and language around DACA students. So terms like illegal or alien, I'll quote her, terms like illegal or alien do nothing but incite fear and violence against these individuals. Furthermore, we have to be intentional in educating ourselves about the experience of undocumented people, as well as policies, practices, and behaviors that serve to perpetuate harm and violence against these individuals. As a community, we should advocate for DACA students whenever and wherever possible." End quote. And um, we wanted to bring in Dr. Garcia's point of view or what she had to say just due to her research and her involvement with advocacy for DACA students, first-generation students, and um, minoritized individuals on our campus. I just want to thank everyone that came and interviewed for this podcast. Um, We really value your stories um, and are very um, humble that we are able to spread it to the rest of campus. Mm -hmm. Um, We stand here. We're allies with you from the Women's Center. With love. Um, We continue to advocate for DACA students and making sure that everyone knows the resources available. And feel free to contact us with any resource questions you may have or in general. Mm -hmm. We can get you where you need to go. I appreciate Kitty Kodad and... Dr. Crystal Garcia for taking their time to um, talk about being advocates for DACA students and resources available, supportive resources that are available. And with that, we'll see you next episode. I'm Lizzie. I'm Batul. And I'm Sarah. See you later. Bye.